Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You who are joining us online, welcome back. We're so glad that you are still with us. Even when you're online, you're a part of us, and we're glad you're here. You know that we've been working our way through the summer in the Gospel according to Mark. And so from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we're in the Gospel of Mark. And, and so far, we've seen that Mark is doing his very, very best to not simply tell us, but to show us that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is the, the Messiah, the, the Son of God. And so he is showing us that through a number of ways and uh, Jesus is doing things only God can do, only God Almighty can do. He's healing lepers. He's chasing out demons. When the guy was lowered through the roof, he didn't say uh, he was lame. He didn't say, you know, get up and walk. He said, your sins are forgiven. Something only God Almighty can do. And, and so Mark is showing us these things. And, and, and last week we focused on the two big priorities of Jesus' ministry here on earth with people in the kingdom of God. And now on the heels of that, Mark gives us powerful, like, I mean, smack in your face, powerful miracles, again, that only God can do. We're going to, it's four of them right in a row, boom, 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 boom. We're going to look at two this week and two next week. And the first two is, the first story is when Jesus was crossing a lake, the Sea of Galilee, he was crossing the lake with the disciples and a storm came up, Jesus was sleeping, he calmed the storm. The second story we're going to look at is when they reached the other side of the lake, there was, there, there was a cemetery there and a, and a pig farm and a crazy, crazy, crazy man, a guy filled with demons. And Jesus is going to chase those demons out of the sky. All right, well, let's look at the, the first story. For you me to really explain the first story and so that you would really understand what's going on, I have to tell you this. When I was a kid growing up, I, I didn't know how to swim. My parents had me go to swim lessons. I still didn't learn how to swim. And I didn't learn how to swim in, until the 10th grade. Mrs. Humphrey in 10th grade swimming class taught me how to swim. I'm still not a great swimmer. I'm no, no one's going to uh, mistake me for Mark Spitz or even our own Peter Adams. Peter Adams from our church is going to be on the swim team at Olivet this fall. He's a swimmer. That guy can swim. No one's going to mistake me for that. But at least I'm not as bad as these people. Check this out. You knew that was going to happen, didn't you? Well, I, why I show all that? I, I tell you all that to say the Jewish people were not particularly fond of the water. Their neighbors to the north, the Phoenicians, they were the seafarers. They were the ones that would, would have the, 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 the ships that would go out. But the Jews really didn't have a great record with the water. You know, remember, there was Noah, right? He built the big boat. And Noah was saved, but, you know, everybody else was not. In 2 Kings 22, there's a story in there about how King Jehoshaphat, who was king of the southern kingdom, Judah, made an alliance with the northern king, a very evil king, and they came into an alliance together, and God was not happy, and all the ships, all their merchant ships were sunk. And then, of course, the story of, of Jonah, he spent three days at sea, but most of it was in the belly of a whale. So they don't have a great record. In fact, in fact the Jewish people always, um, they had a healthy respect, maybe fear, they believed that the, that the sea was something only God, only God Almighty could control. And they knew this. This was kind of ingrained in their, their culture. You remember the beginning of the Bible, uh, Genesis 1-1, it begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And it goes on in verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Those words formless and empty are two theologically packed Hebrew words. My friend Scott Daniels preaches on them. And it's tohu and bohu. And, and, and the world, it's, it was a way that the, the Jewish people were trying to describe what life was like before creation. What was, what, was, what was their pre-creation? And they said it was tohu and bohu. It was empty and formless. And the way they, they spoke of that chaotic nature, it was out of that then, out of that tohu and bohu, the, the chaos, that, that, that God came. And you know the, the creation story. God said, let there be light. And let there be sky and sea. And let there be dry land. And eventually, day six, God said, let there be animals and people. And when he got all done with all that, the end of chapter one of Genesis says, says that God saw all that he made and it was very good. No longer tohu and bohu, no longer chaotic, but out of that chaos, out of that nothingness came order and form in complete and perfect place. God, God Almighty and God alone could bring, bring peace out of that tohu and bohu. Okay, fast forward, Mark chapter four. Mark chapter 4, Jesus had just told these wonderful stories. And then he gets to this point in verse uh, 35. Let's go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with him, uh, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him. said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? The Sea of Galilee isn't a big sea. It's not like the Caribbean Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. It's, it's smaller than, than every one of the, the great lakes. In fact, it's three times as small. The, the Lake St. Clair is three times bigger than the Sea of Galilee. Not a huge lake. It has, it's 13 miles long. There's 33 miles of shoreline, 64 square miles. That's the Sea of Galilee. And you think, well, how big of a storm, how, how bad of a storm could just, you know, pop up on the Sea of Galilee? Well, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, you know, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by, by big rock formation, mountains, if you will, and it's kind of in the basin of that. And so what would happen is cool air would, would, would come over from the mountains, and when it would meet with the warm air that was hovering over the Sea of Galilee, it would, would make tumultuous storms, really bad storms, and they'd come up very, very dangerous in, in nothing flat. And so fishermen, because of that, because it would, it would happen usually in the heat of the day, fishermen would, would, would fish at night. Now there's a couple of reasons for that. They, they seem to catch fish better at night, but also they didn't want to be a part of those storms. The storms came in the heat of the day, not the cool of the night. And so if they fished at night, you know, it would be safer. You remember when Jesus first met Peter. Peter had been fishing all night. That's, that was the norm. So now, now, Jesus says, all right, let's, let's, let's go on over. Let's, let's get, get inside. And Jesus is tired, and so he lays down first, Nazarene nap. He lays down, takes a, a rest. And while he's sleeping, this storm comes in. And the waves are splashing into the boat. And the disciples are bailing the water as fast as they can, but they're not fast enough. And the boat is being swamped. They're in trouble. I talk about this story in my book on chronic pain. And, 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 and this part of the story, part of the story got axed when it made the final edition. And the reason it got axed is because, because I put a song in the book and the author of the song, the whatever you call it, the composer of the song, uh, didn't give me permission to put it in the book. So it got out. I hope I know, that doesn't sound bitter, but he didn't give me permission. So it wasn't a great song. It's not, we're not talking, you know, and can it be. It was just a little ditty that we would sing 
at that after school club. I've told you about that. We ran an after school club at one church. That's when at home when I was preaching uh, uh, in this quarantine time, I told you about the one song, Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. And Justin up there made it into, you know, this gone viral thing. Um, it, the, kids loved, the kids loved that song. They also loved this song that got axed. It's called With Jesus in the Boat. It's just a simple little song, but it had motions. It said, with Jesus, and you'd have to point up, up for Jesus. He's up. So with Jesus in the boat, you can smile in the storm. <laughs> That's it. With Jesus in the boat, you can smile in the... <laughs> and so we'd sing it. Wow, this is our first Sunday back. We got kids in the sanctuary. You're at home. You're sipping on your, your, your Maxwell house. You need, to, you need to exercise. All right, everybody up, even at home, everybody up. Here we go. We got to sing this song. It's very simple. You can sing it with me. It's very simple. And you just do the motions. So here we go. With Jesus in the boat, you can smile in the storm. Smile in the storm. Smile in the storm. With Jesus in the boat, you can smile in the storm. As you say, long, long, simple, right? We would sing it. We would sing it. When we sang it, we would go faster than what we just sang it. And we would drop out uh, words as we still doing the motions, but we'd drop out words as we sang it. And we don't have time to sing all the verses and drop out all the words. We're going to skip right to the end. So just the motions, little words. Are you ready? With, in the, you can... In the, in the, in the, with, in the, you can, in the, as to sail along. Great, good job, sit down. That's a dumb song. It's a stupid song. Don't, I hope that doesn't sound bitter because the author wouldn't, or the composer wouldn't let me put it in the book. It's a dumb song, it's a dumb song, it's a dumb song because it's not true. That's why it's a dumb song. With Jesus in the boat, those disciples, those disciples, they had Jesus in the boat. He was sleeping in the stern. A storm was coming. Somebody got the, got the uh, 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 job of waking up Jesus. And they didn't wake him up because they had a great joke to tell him. They woke him up because they were fearing for their life. Experienced fishermen fearing for their lives. Peter, James, John, all Andrew, all of them experienced fishermen. They've been on the Sea of Galilee hundreds of times, and now they're fearing for their lives. Somebody's got to wake up Jesus. Now, I don't know what they were thinking Jesus would do. Maybe they thought he would, he would grab a bucket and start bailing the water too. Maybe they thought he would batten down the hatches. I don't even know what batten down the hatches is, but whenever you watch a movie, an old movie, they batten down the hatches, matey. Jesus didn't batten down anything. And he didn't grab a bucket. Hey, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're dying out here? And Jesus, with this unwelcomed wake-up call, says this, peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Peace, be still. Are you using the journal? If you don't have one of those journals that we've given out free of the gospel mark, you can pick up one at either one of the welcome centers on your way out today. But if you have your journal, take it. There, there in Mark 1, 24, take it and go back to chapter 1. And you'll see a story in chapter 1 about when, when a, a guy possessed by a demon comes toward Jesus. And the demon sees Jesus. And he says, what are you going to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And you know what Jesus says to him? In, in verse 1, Mark 1, 25, be quiet or be silent. It's the same word in Mark 1, 25 as it was in chapter 4. Same word. Jesus speaks the same way to the demons that he spoke to the, to, to the, to the sea. Same exact word. And what Mark is trying to communicate here is, is Jesus is doing only what God can do. Just as he chased those demons out, only God can do that. And now, in, in, in the Hebrew mind, one of the, the great miracles, calming the sea, tohu, bohu, Jesus comes to it, wakes up, groggy, and simply says, be still, and perfect calm. Amazing, Mark is saying. Mark is, Mark is saying, listen, only Jesus is Lord. Only Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over storms. Jesus is Lord over demons. Jesus is Lord. Exclamation point. We would go on to sing like what, what Paul would later write in Philippians. At, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's going to happen. He can still a storm. He can chase a demon and nothing flat. And now for the first time, here in Mark chapter 4, for the first time, not when Jesus chased out demons in the past, not when Jesus, you know, told the, the, the paralyzed guy, your sins are forgiven, not when Jesus healed the leper. Now for the first time, Sea of Galilee, middle of Sea of Galilee, these drenched disciples can't believe what's going on. And Mark tells us in verse 41, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? That even the wind and the sea, the tohu and bohu, obey him. Mark and Luke, and they're telling a story, say the disciples were amazed. Some versions say that they worshipped him. Why then? Why there? What, what would cause them to worship him there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when they're drenched from head to toe? Well, this is just my thought. I don't know if it's right. But I think the reason why there in the Sea of Galilee they looked at Jesus and were amazed is because this time it was their neck on the line. Prior to this, you know, oh, it's the poor blind guy. It's the poor guy that's got leprosy. It's the poor guy that's demon-possessed. Poor him, poor him, bummer. But now, it's the disciples that needed saving. And now, it was the disciples who needed Jesus to rescue them. And when Jesus did, there was only one response. We're amazed. Who is this on this boat? This isn't just anybody on this boat. Who is this on this boat? Listen, this story number one, Mark makes a big deal to say just as God Almighty brought order to the tohu and bohu in Genesis, Jesus with a word drives out demons. Jesus with a word calms the troubled sea. Listen, some of you are in troubled waters today. If we were to sit down and sit across a, from a cup of coffee, socially distanced, of course, we could talk about some of the troubles. I mean, all of us, we're dealing with the pandemic. This is our first Sunday back, for crying out loud. We've all watched on the news the, the, the unrest in our country over racism, and certainly that's troubling. Uh, you know, that should be troubling for all of us, no matter what the color of your skin is. There's a, glorious, there's a glaring need in our country. We've got some work to do. If we're going to make justice and mercy for all more than just a slogan, you know, we've got work to do. But maybe, maybe during this pandemic, you've got other things at work. Loneliness, grief, heartache, sickness, despair, depression. 
I've had people admit to me in the last couple of weeks, um, a woman who, who, who had quit drinking has gone back to drinking. A young man who, who had stopped doing drugs, gone back to drugs. And a middle-aged guy who, who reverted back to, to viewing pornography. And some, some of the things that have been happening during this pandemic have not been great. And I'm not even talking about the sickness of COVID-19 or the economic issues. There's been trouble going on in our homes. There's storms. And I want you to hear, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. If you want a healthy conclusion to those storms, there's only one. That's Jesus. Now, you might not be smiling in the storm. You can smile on the other side of the storm. But in the middle of the storm, you may not be. I don't think those disciples were smiling. That's a dumb song. I don't think they were smiling a bit. But when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, remember that old song? Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this world, the heartaches, the troubles, the problems of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, many of you know I wrote that book, The Chronic Pain Book, because of my migraine journey. And I try not to talk about it too much. But there are times, there are moments, you know, I have, I don't know. I have, I have an appointment with my neurologist tomorrow, a video medical appointment. I probably still, I have, I used to be I'd have a migraine every day. And now I don't have it every day. I only get up 16, 20 times a month. And there are occasions when when even the slightest bit of light, these lights don't help. Or the slightest bit of sound, sometimes this stuff doesn't help. Or the slightest smell can just send me over the edge. And I'm here to tell you I can't do what I'm doing apart from the powerful work of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that you're smiling in the storm. What it means is that Jesus is with you in the storm. He's in the boat. You're not alone. And if you've been struggling, if this quarantine has just sucked all the life out of you, I want you to know that Jesus is with you. He hasn't left you. That Jesus Christ is in the storm with you. And it's like Mark knew what our next question was going to be. It's like he, he anticipated what we were going to say next. Because some of you are saying, listen, pastor, you don't know me. You don't know where I've been you don't know what I've done. You don't know all the lousy choices I've made. You don't know how many times I've promised God, all right, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then, and then I went right back to it. I've promised and promised and promised and promised and broke every single one of them. You don't know, Pastor. I, to be honest, I'm sick of me. I'm pretty sure that God is sick of me too. And if you think that way, well, you need to know Jesus. He's wild about you. And you need to hear story number two, because story number two is a crazy story. So they're in the middle of the storm. Jesus quiets the storm. And they still got to get to the other side of the lake. Who's going to row the boat now? The wind was blowing. It was getting us cross. All right, row, row, row your boat. 
and they get across on the other side of the lake. And where do they go? They go to the absolute worst spot for a Jew to go in between a pig farm and a cemetery. Both were unclean. Good Jews wouldn't go to a cemetery. Good Jews wouldn't be around pigs. And here they are, right in smack in the middle of it. What's worse, in the cemetery, is this crazy lunatic who may be, I think you could make a legitimate case, the worst person in all the Bible. In fact, you could make a case that this is the worst person who has ever lived, who's ever sucked in air, because this crazy man comes running out to Jesus. Jesus is getting off the boat. I think the disciples started to get off the boat, saw this guy, and kept one foot in the boat. That's just my, my thoughts. But Jesus gets out of the boat, and coming towards him is this certifiably crazy, a guy your parents warned you about, the guy whose picture is on the wall in the post office. This crazy, crazy man is running towards Jesus, flailing his arms, and he calls out to Jesus, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, FYI, a Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers, 120 horsemen, so is this guy saying that he's got 6,000 demons? I don't know, maybe. I know this, he's a scary guy. Again, maybe the worst guy he's ever seen. My name is Legion. We are many, 6,000 maybe. And he's running towards Jesus, wild hair, arms flailing, you know, naked as a jaybird, running towards Jesus. And to make a long story short, in just a matter of seconds, Jesus chases the demons out of that guy and into a herd of pigs. I have a friend, he's, he, he grew up on a pig farm. His name is Chad. And Chad has told me that pigs, when they're frightened, they, I mean, they squeal, they squeal loud. They are, I mean, like ear-piercing loud, squealing. And pigs also, they're not, they're not uh, like sheep. They're not herd animals. You can't herd pigs. Pigs go where they want to go, do what they want to do. But these pigs, 2,000 of them, these pigs, Jesus chases them from the, from, the, from the guy into the pigs, and all of them in a herd go running right down the hill into the Sea of Galilee. Maybe, maybe he did have 6,000 demons. Three, three demons per pig. I don't know. Away they went. Why do I tell you all this? I tell you this because this is an amazing story that God did. And I tell you this to remind you that of all the people in the world, if anyone ever lived that Jesus would have looked at and said, you know, I don't want to mess with that guy. He's too far gone. Not that guy. He's got six thousand demons in a cemetery next to a pig farm fellas why don't you row over there a couple hundred yards let's not go in this spot there, don't you see that cemetery and that pig farm let's row over over that way but that's not what jesus did jesus jesus went right to that spot right between the pigs and the cemetery and the lunatic running towards him and he got off the boat and the guy came towards him and boom no more demons Listen, if Jesus wanted to go to him with all of his troubles, maybe the worst guy that's ever lived, we are legion. What makes you think that Jesus won't come to you? If he went to him, then you've got no reason whatsoever to think what you've done or where you've been is worse than that guy. Are you kidding me? Jesus loves you. He's crazy about you. And he is here. He said, when two or more gather, there I am also. He is here. Maybe, maybe, maybe 
Maybe you've been battling a demon. Oh, not like Legion, but maybe a demon of alcoholism or drugs, demon of anger, pornography, worry, fear, loneliness. Maybe you've committed some deep, dark sin years and years ago. Listen, this story shows us Jesus has the power to take care of any of those things. I know, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. Let me tell you the rest of the story before we go. You can't, can't leave it there. This former crazy guy, 6,000 demon guy, now perfectly sane. He's learning at the feet of Jesus, that's what the Bible says. And the townspeople hear about it, and they come out to see what's going on. You're not gonna believe what they say. Mark chapter five. This is what they say. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. They told everybody, in the city and the country. They're telling everybody, verse 14. And people came to see what it was that had happened. They want to see all those floating pigs in the Sea of Galilee. That's big news. And they came to Jesus. And they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed, in his right mind. And they were afraid. Oh, wait a minute. They should have been afraid when he was naked, running around, acting crazy, 6,000 demons. That's what they should have been afraid. Not now. Not now for crying out loud. Now they're afraid. Are you kidding me? Verse 16. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus. You would expect them to say, beg Jesus to say, Jesus, look, if you can do that for that guy, if you can bring sanity to that guy, man, you got to stay. you got to stay forever. We want you to stay here. We'll build you a nice house. You can be the king. We want you to be here forever and ever and ever. They begged him to depart from their region. And as he was getting in the boat, the man who was possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. Of course he would. I don't want to be with those people. Those people don't want you, Jesus. I'd rather be with you, Jesus. They rejected you, Jesus. Look what you've done for me. Let me go with you, Jesus. It's interesting that the demons asked Jesus to put him in the pigs, and Jesus said, okay, that's a great idea. Go in those pigs. And this guy, the very first convert, this guy, said, Jesus, let me go with you. And Jesus said, verse 19, and he did not permit him but said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone, everyone marveled. <sighs> Thanks for being here. We're so glad that you could come. We're glad that we can get back to, to, to worshiping together. Can't wait to see what God's got in store for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for every person that came out. Thank you, Lord, for the way you're working in our midst. We want to trust you more and more. And Lord, there are some folks, I just know it, there's some folks here that are, that are they're, in the, they're in the troubling waters. They're battling some demons. They need your help. And the good news is, is that you're here and that you will offer help. None of us are too far gone. None of us are too bad. None of us have gone, gone too, too far away from you that you have stopped loving us or caring for us or wanting us to return. And so, Jesus, we pray that anyone here who needs you would find you. Anyone here who needs to hear a word from you would hear that word. That anyone here, maybe it's go and be a missionary. Maybe it's come on, let's rescue you out of that trouble. Whatever it is, Lord, how we pray that you would work and move. Thank you again for this Sunday. Thank you for everyone here. We're going to trust you now and always. In Jesus' name, amen.